0: Greetings, and welcome to Content That Moves, the podcast for brand storytellers who want to create emotional connections with the content they create. We're on a mission to shine a light on the most compelling and effective brand storytelling, and we want to arm you with the insights to create something amazing for your brand. I'm your host, Jesse Raisler, and the podcast is created by Credo Nonfiction, a content studio that moves the needle by moving your audience. Visit credononfiction.com to learn more. Today's podcast is sponsored by Brand Storytelling, bringing you the latest news, trends, and insights in branded content with top of the industry events and in depth industry coverage online. Brand Storytelling encourages a higher level of collaboration amongst advertisers, agencies, media partners, and creators in pursuit of a richer media environment. For more of the latest in the world of branded content or to explore event offerings, visit brandstorytelling.tv today. Our guest today is the founder of Subgenre, Brian Newman. Who's one of the foremost consultants in the country, helping brands be more successful with their filmmaking programs, and in particular, how to make a big impact through smart and effective film distribution. Brian has helped brands that are considered the gold standard in brand filmmaking, like Patagonia and Yeti, develop robust programs that show a strong return for the brands that make the investment. Brian Newman, such a treat to have you on the show. Definitely. Um, We're here at Sundance, where filmmakers from all over the world come to screen their work and also hope to find the thing that I'd love to chat with you about, and that is distribution. Um, here at Brand Storytelling, the summit with Insonance, I know that's a big focus. Um, first of all, I'd love it if you could just tell our listeners a little bit about like your personal background and also what you're doing with subgenre.
1: Sure. So my background is more the traditional indie film world. Um, I worked at a lot of film festivals and film organizations, more on the nonprofit side for a long time. So I ran the Atlanta Film Fest. I was CEO at the Tribeca Film Institute. I ran the Rockefeller Fellowships, which were all kind of traditional indie film. And I left that world about seven years ago and started consulting uh, for a variety of reasons, um, but quickly um, started working with brands that are making film. And what I found was that most of them could find producers and find a good filmmaker to make the film. But then they would throw it up on their website and maybe get five views. And they would come to me and say, how do we get more than that? How do we get broader distribution? And a lot of my work over the years had been on the tangents of distribution. And so I knew a bit about it. And I started first with Patagonia. And now with multiple other brands helping them with the distribution and marketing of their films.
0: Yeah, that's so huge, and I feel like that's the great mystery in this you know brave new world of brand filmmaking mm-hmm. is distribution. And even like you know with with our feature film, the Starfish Throwers, when we finished the film, it was like ha, oh. and our producer was like, you're <laughs> maybe at the halfway point. Right. Like distribution is like the most important thing because it is it's true. You spend so much effort and time yeah. and, and money for a lot of these brands to make this film, and you want to make sure that it's finding your audience and I know you've worked with a lot of amazing brands you know brands that people think of as sort of the gold standard uh in this world like Yeti and Patagonia um I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how specifically like you collaborate with some of those brands and if you have any examples of how you've helped them find their audience with with their films
1: yeah so just like your film it's the the thing everyone wants is to figure out Distribution and even in the best case scenario, when you sell it to the best distributor on the planet, you still have a lot of work to do around that. And so, the brands, just like a filmmaker, have figured out the same thing, but that they need that, but they don't know much about how to do it and they don't come from the film world. So, oftentimes, In the best case scenario, brands come to me very early, sometimes even before they've hired the filmmaker they want to work with Mm -hmm. on their project. And they say, we know we want to do a film on this subject. And um, a good example would be like Patagonia, Mm -hmm. uh, where they happen to do a lot of social impact films, particularly around environmental issues. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the first films I ever worked on was a film they did called Damnation. And that's a good example, just as a starting point, is they came to me and said, we've already got these filmmakers that are working on it. Our goal, though, is not just to distribute the film, but to have people care about this somewhat obscure issue to some people of dam removal. Right. and when River they, health, ultimately. River right. health, ultimately, yeah. exactly. Restoring natural, natural riverways. And even if you think dams are a good thing, a lot of them are dead. They've stopped producing energy. They're just sitting there blocking salmon runs and things like that. I didn't know any of this when they called me, but yeah. I've, I've learned a lot about it. Yeah. But so the goal was let's not just get the film distributed, but figure out how to get it to the right audiences yeah. That would then call their legislator or or tell their friends why it matters Mm -hmm. or things like chefs who care about good salmon. Mm -hmm. um, How do we reach those audiences? Mm -hmm. And so before the filmmakers were even done making that film, I started helping Patagonia determine who their core audience was that they wanted to reach. Mm -hmm. And then all the secondary audiences that they'd like to reach and get active, but that come after that core audience. And we built a plan of how to do that in the best case scenario. Mm -hmm. And then to be honest, you adapt as reality hits. So everyone's first goal is let's get into Sundance and premiere the film. And in this particular case, we weren't even done with the film in time for Sundance, but we premiered it South by Southwest. And then we built our campaign, not just around the festival world, but around Patagonia's world. Like They have a catalog that comes out every year that's focused on fish. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to make sure the film came out at that same time so they could promote it. So a lot of the work is kind of triangulating the way the film world works with the way the brands work and trying to get them to work together Mm because they're on different schedules Mm -hmm. oftentimes.
0: Uh, All in the goal of having the biggest impact. Right. Right. And how are how are you measuring impact? Like I know probably even from Damnation to Now, it's quite different with you know the streaming all the streaming platforms are available. What actually what sorts of tactics are you taking in that digital realm and then how are you how are you doing measurement?
1: Yeah, so it's interesting because if you talk to almost any brand at this conference that we're at right now, brand storytelling, they'll say that in their perfect world they would get their film on Netflix. And we all have Netflix accounts, but as you probably know from even reading the the layman's press as well as the trade press they don't give out a lot of data so if you're if your metrics are number of eyeballs that have seen the film sometimes even though you have this hunch that millions of people saw it on netflix you have no data to prove that so you've really got to start building metrics that are different than just eyeballs and uh, what we try to do is really go back to the reason the brand is doing the film what are their goals and let's build metrics around that. So um, oftentimes it'll be a mixture of things like how many eyeballs, but not just on potentially a thing like Netflix, but places you can measure it, like screenings at festivals, screenings at grassroots with nonprofits, um, counting the actual audience members that show up. But then another thing you try to do is uh, measure – the impact of things like the earned media Mm. so all the press articles that are written about the film if the New York Times writes about the film they have millions of readers so you try to get a sense of adding up all those different groups that have heard about the film because that's another metric another metric might be do people actually do anything as a result of it So not every brand is making films to make a difference, but if you are, you can do things like a petition or um, having people sign up that they care about this issue or actually joining a nonprofit on a river cleaning expedition or something like that. And you can usually work with those nonprofit groups and measure how many people took part in those activities. We'll also build metrics like Google search terms So we might look for six months before a film comes out at a film, like with Patagonia, again, with Damnation. uh, One of the things we did was we measured how many times people were searching for words like dam removal, salmon runs, all those kind of words associated Mm -hmm. with the film. And then we did Google Analytics over the course of a year to show that when the film came out, there was a spike Uh, in people searching for those terms. And it was most likely tied to the film coming out and raising awareness. So you try to find metrics that fit your film and your goals, but it's not perfect. And that's one of the topics of a conference like this. Everyone's trying to figure out how do we measure impact. Mm -hmm. And when you can't trust the view counts that Facebook gives you, Mm -hmm. what do you trust? So everyone's trying to figure that out at the same time. But we try to come up with something that isn't rocket science, but seems smart enough to pass muster with the boss.
0: Right. So there's like that or- organic outreach where you're you know you're reaching out to festivals. You get a certain amount of eyeballs there. That's where you often get press, right? And and you can measure that. Um, but beyond that, when you are looking at like views on digital platforms, for example, are you actually doing any sort of like ad spending, or does that sort of fall outside? Or how, how are you yeah, usually that?
1: the brand is paying for the ad spending, and sometimes my firm. Um, which is me and three people. It's a small company. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we help them with that ad placement, knowing the types of places that it would need to go. Other times they might have a media agency of record okay. um, that's responsible for their media spend. Okay, So we'll liaison with that group and say, out of your spend, it would be good to hit these kind of places. Because at the end of the day, even if you're not buying fake views, mm-hmm. we all know that, Facebook no longer promotes your post unless you pay to promote your post. And so you have to do that, whether you're an independent filmmaker or a brand, you have to put some money behind all of your marketing to make sure that it reaches the eyeballs you want to reach. Mm -hmm. So we try to do that throughout. And then it's also, um, when possible, doing things that don't cost money, like maybe partnering. If you're doing a film about ocean level rise or ocean health or anything like that you might partner with a group like surf rider foundation Mm -hmm. and that group cares about that and for free oftentimes you can partner with those groups to spread the word and they have millions of people who read their email newsletters right and you don't even have to pay to get that kind of extra promotion because it's something they care about so you try to do a mixture of both
0: that's huge um so for brands, like there's a lot of really great social good filmmaking out there, but even for things that are more topical, um, I have to bring this up because we saw this and it, it looked amazing and like a no brainer. Um, is it Sir Sir Kensington's is making a documentary about fries yeah yeah. and it's like how has like Heinz or like you know someone else in the condiment space not done this it's genius but like I know you are you in the process of working on that yeah I'm working on that film now so like that's not obviously it's not a social good film but it's going to have a different kind of impact but like for something like that how are you are you doing like publicist outreach ad spends yeah like- no
1: it's a great question so um, Sir Kensington's is a condiment company owned by Unilever and they decided to make a film about uh, the history of french fries everyone thinks you know french fries were invented in this country or that country and they're called chips and in, in the <laughs> UK versus fries and um, it turns out, uh, which you'll find out in the movie, um, just like potatoes, they're from Peru. Uh-huh. Um, and then they've spread in different forms, and different people have different ways of making them. And it's not going to change the world, but it's actually a really fun oh, film. Yeah. Sounds like and that. the goal at the end of the day is for people to obviously. If they're thinking about fries, they're thinking about what are they going to put on them and they might reach for sort of Kensington's versus something else if they know they sponsored it or at least try it because maybe they've never tried that brand before. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that particular case, our goal is going to be we'll do a lot of film festivals because it's a fun film. We, we've already been accepted into several film festivals this coming spring and summer. Almost all of them are reaching out to us and saying, We weirdly love this movie because it's a fun subject (laughs) and you can do cool things. And that's what we're going to do with the release of the film is do a lot of like one night only screenings. But Uh we're serving French fries that you can have instead of popcorn during during the screening. And um, French fries go good with soda and beer afterwards and doing things like that. And uh, we're hoping that we'll end up selling it to one of the bigger streaming platforms. Mm -hmm. We're in talks with some of those now. And the measurements will be mainly things like earned media. Uh But the brand can actually track, just like any brand does with their ad campaigns, they'll be able to track whether the time period of the release of this film leads to an increase in sales. And then we're also doing, um, it's not public yet, but by the time this podcast runs it might be, we'll be doing a lot of kind of crossover things where you might walk into a Walmart and where you see on the ketchup aisle you see sir kensington's mm. you'll actually see promotions for the movie oh, right on. in the middle of walmart and there'll be a qr code
0: cool and if
1: you hold your phone up to it it'll take you right to an itunes or whatever store where yeah. you want to buy it and so there's kind of that's measurable so we'll right. be able to see like did people actually do that right. and did it lead to sales did it what happened as a result of that at the end of the day no one's gonna you know sign up to change the world through the french fries movie but it'll be a lot of fun
0: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and it does it's like a no-brainer it's i mean especially for retail i mean we you know in minneapolis where where we live there's a an amazing huge co-op called land lakes and they make butter yeah. and it's like why aren't they making the artisanal bread maker movie and yeah. if anyone from land of lakes is listening we'd be <laughs> happy to help yeah, with that but should. but yeah. there are like i mean if you think about any retail brand there's like a, a parallel you know there's like a, a similar idea that's out there you know, waiting yeah. to be taken advantage and,
1: of, and retail brands to me are the best positioned in the in the corporate space to do something because they have retail; they're reaching consumers. Mm-hmm. Usually, those con- there's a subset at least of those consumers that love that brand, right? And are going to be open to messaging from them. And if you can give them something they want to watch instead of an advertisement they don't want to watch, that's the kind of right. main goal of branded content right. in, in
0: theory. It's like stop interrupting, um, yeah. start connecting. Right? Exactly.
1: But on top of that, when Patagonia or an REI or um, a, a brand like that that owns their own retail, they can do tons of stuff right. in their stores. Right. When it's a brand like you mentioned, Land Lakes or like Yeti coolers or like Sir Kensingtons, they have great relationships with the stores that sell their product, right, right. and they have shelf space and they can use that for marketing the film and. Mm-hmm. Whether you're a brand or an independent filmmaker or Hollywood, getting people to choose your film versus the thousands, if not millions of other things they can see or do every day is a big battle. Mm -hmm. So we're all fighting to get people's attention. Mm -hmm. And if you've got retail or retail partners, you're just so well positioned to do something cool to raise people's awareness and get them to watch that movie.
0: Right. So in terms of maybe brands that are new to this new world, you know, of making films, maybe they've done, um, you know, we've seen a lot of video content that's more, um, uh, it has a very specific business goal, whether it's sales, marketing. Um, If they're looking at doing something like this, maybe even taking Sir Kensington's as an example, I'm curious how present is the brand or not in something that you hope to have this kind of life where you are competing for views.
1: My general statement that I give to brands early on when we meet is that the best case scenario, you're not in the movie. The movie's about something that's your values or your goals or a bigger picture thing you're launching in your CSR division or something like that. However, if you're in the movie, that can be fine if it makes sense to the the movie and seems natural mm-hmm. in the sir kensington's movie um part of what sir kensington's is, is doing in the movie without giving too much of it away is figuring out what makes a good french fry mm-hmm. and so they have scientists that work at unilever and sir kensington's who study th- things like howard McGee does you know the famous food scientists um about what makes something taste good and uh. what makes it crunchier versus right. um, you know uh whatever other aspects of a french fry <laughs> might be um so we were able to include the the filmmakers i wasn't the filmmaker i worked with the filmmakers uh-huh. But the filmmakers were able to figure out ways to fit the brand through their scientists and things like that into the film mm-hmm. without it becoming an advertisement just for mm-hmm. the brand. Yep. So you could watch the film and still be a lover of some other brand and enjoy yeah. it and not feel like you're getting hit over the head that you need to switch condiments or something. Right. They're hoping that you'll give them a shot, Right. but the, the brand's naturally mer- merged into the movie. But the best-case scenario are films where maybe you see the logo of the brand at the beginning Mm -hmm. and maybe they're doing a lot of promotions around the film Mm -hmm. but the film can just be a film that stands for the values of that brand but you're not getting a lot of product placement throughout
0: right that makes sense and it seems like that's its own art form would be how to find out how to organically weave the brand into the storytelling without it jumping out at you yeah so
1: yeti coolers which was one of my clients you mentioned earlier I helped them at the very beginning with thinking up this whole program they have of short form films and they have a producer on staff named Scott Ballew who's a great guy he's a filmmaker background Mm -hmm. and he shows up on a lot of the sets but it's really not to make sure the product's showing up often it's to make sure it's not showing up like too obviously in the wrong way right and if you think of yeti a, a lot of their films are outdoor adventure maybe a cowboy movie and so the, the typical filmmaker move is at the end of the short you see a cowboy put their boots up on a cooler drinking a beer mm-hmm. and that's not what yeti wants that's right. too obvious <laughs> right. so scott's job is usually to say don't do that beauty shot of the cooler with the sunset yeah let's just have it like briefly in the background while someone's putting it on their boat or something.
0: Which is amazing because I feel like the majority of brands that have more of the traditional advertising mindset, that would be the thing that they want to see and more of. So I I think that must be just something that's going to evolve and change over time. I think it's a
1: struggle with probably every brand. And especially what I've seen happen is there's a person within the company from the marketing department usually but that they have seen a lot of branded content or or maybe they have a film background, Mm -hmm. they get a sense of what works. They then have to go convince all their other colleagues, (laughs) why are we spending tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars on this movie and our brand's not front and center everywhere you turn? Because that's what they're used to in advertising. So it's a big job for whoever works at those companies
0: to convince their
1: colleagues this makes sense.
0: So that person whose job it is to do that, do you have any advice for them?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that what helps is to be able to show examples of other quality branded content that's worked. And it's coming to conferences like this one, really, not to just advertise them, but it is conferences like brand storytelling where you see examples throughout the day And all of us will be sitting there and go, that one works, that one doesn't. (laughs) But then you can go home to your colleagues and say, here's some that really worked, did well, they didn't just win awards, they actually connected with consumers and see that their brand wasn't overly saturated in the film. Uh, Being able to say to your colleagues that we want the filmmakers, let's say this film gets into Sundance, best case scenario for any film. You want the filmmakers to be able to stand on stage And get asked the question, did you have creative control and final cut? Because everyone's going to wonder that. If the filmmakers can truthfully say yes, and it doesn't feel like an advertisement, that film's going to perform so much better Mm -hmm. than anything that doesn't. So I think Mm -hmm. for brand managers that are working in this area, it's sticking to your guns and and realizing that. Because the reason you're doing this is not to get rid of advertising. Advertising is still going to exist. You're still going to make it. Mm -hmm. But this is one part of your marketing budget to reach consumers in a different way right and it's really got to be different than an advertisement
0: yeah that's a really good point so are you noticing i mean companies typically have their ad spend is in one spot and then their brand loyalty favorability brand reputation uh more and more there's an actual content team are you finding you're working with a specific team at a brand or are they all sort of working together on these sorts of things
1: there's usually a team within the brand and it's usually just a few people Mm -hmm. that are focused on film Mm -hmm. they 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 usually don't have the luxury of only focusing on film they're usually doing film and something else Um, often something experiential or social media or other video maybe it's you know video that they do on their youtube channel but it's more product centric Mm -hmm. and then they also are getting to work on this they need to be able to liaison with the rest of the marketing team and even retail team or whoever else at the company and sell it internally and they need to be champions uh for this content there but it's usually a smaller team and when i speak with them and i think this is true of almost all my clients not any particular one though I'll tell you off the record yeah we really have a hard time convincing people that they should do this instead of the traditional advertisement where you see a direct correlation really quickly because film takes a long time right so even if it does work and it was to lead to tons of extra products sold or much better brand awareness for something you're doing it probably took you 6 months to a year for that film to get made completed get into a festival or go straight to Hulu or whatever it is yeah. it's a long process and a lot of the brands aren't aren't used to that length of time right so it's a big learning curve
0: yeah any other like parting advice for folks who are maybe in a brand that hasn't done this yet but is looking to get something started
1: yeah it's a great question i think it's really smart to jump in and get a film done whether that's just a short and something you don't spend as much money on. But you're going to learn from all the mistakes that are made and the amount of time it takes. And you'll quickly learn not to have a committee of 20 people trying to give input to the filmmaker on their edit, but everyone wants to do that the first time around. (laughs) That first film is usually um, going through the rough cut process. The first time you see the film is always a disaster. You think you just wasted hundreds of thousands of dollars (laughs) and the filmmakers know they're going to make it better in the next round of cuts. You learn all that stuff so that then when you spend more money on the next one you can keep learning and do better stuff but you've got to get the first one moving and that's usually hard because people try to say let's go hire the best filmmaker on the planet and try to get this thing into Sundance and Sometimes it's better just to make a short film, right. get it out on your website, or maybe with a partner that has some more traffic than you do. Sure. And then from those mistakes you made, do the next one a little bit better.
0: Well, thank you. This is super insightful on a topic that I think is quite mysterious to a lot of brands. So thank you so much for taking thank- the time. Thanks for having
1: me.
0: To learn more about Brian's work and see examples of the films he's helped produce and launch, visit sub-genre.com. Join us next time when we'll be chatting with the ECD of global creative and content marketing at Marriott International, Mark Battaglia, about what makes their content program so successful for the brand. Until then, be well, have fun, and tell some amazing stories.